and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. Today's episode is titled, You're On Your Own. I was just thinking about the first time I ever gave evidence and how I tentatively searched the faces of the people observing me in the witness box, naively, in a futile attempt to see if there was anyone who I could call upon to help me. It followed the death of a child I was the allocated social worker for, as explained in an earlier episode, and I was highly traumatised. In desperation, I hoped that there might be, by some miracle, a person whose support I could gain to assist me during what was, at that point in time, the worst ordeal of my life. For some incredibly stupid reason, I had that inane notion. Don't ask me why, because it really makes no sense to me at all now. But as I scanned the faces staring back at me, all I could see was a wall of incredulity and disgust. There were no sympathetic expressions, no facial features which signalled any degree of empathy or understanding. I was seeking some form of care and comfort in a totally wrong place, and it didn't matter whenever I looked for this at court, it would always be the wrong time and the wrong place. This was not not a place where people gave a damn about your feelings and emotions. It was a place of conflict, a place interested only in evidence or the facts of the matter in question. Other considerations, sentiments and sensibilities were insignificant and irrelevant. This was an environment that prided itself on being detached, impartial, objective, a place swayed not at all by sentiment and emotion, but instead by cold logic and reason. As I sat there in the witness box, nervous and quivering, unable to answer any of the multitude of questions thrown at me, I realised eventually that no one was coming to my rescue. That, as excruciating and shamefully embarrassing as it was, this was my reality, that I had to endure, because there was nothing else I could do. I recall feeling that this was not right, and that those hurling questions at me, and gaping at me with derision and disbelief written all over their features, including the judge, were heartless beings devoid of souls. Now you may be wondering why I've shared all of this with you. The point I'm hoping to get across to you is how painfully unaware and ill-prepared I was for court. To emphasise the point I'm making, the gap between where I was and where I needed to be was a huge chasm that I had no means of bridging at that time. This highlights for me precisely how woefully inadequate my preparation for attending court as a witness had been. You're probably now wondering who I am blaming or holding responsible for my almost total lack of awareness of the climate and culture of the family court. The answer is I am not. I'm not blaming anyone and I include myself in this also because blaming others never helps or addresses the problem. As a legal profession says, ignorance of the law is no excuse. So I guess it was my responsibility to have found out all about the, the court environment prior to attending court. What I am doing, instead of blaming anyone, is highlighting this issue and bringing it to your attention, so as to ensure that you and many other unsuspecting witnesses will not suffer the same appalling experiences that I did. The title of this podcast episode is aptly titled, You're On Your Own, because when you're in the witness box, you are. You can't enlist the help of anyone other than yourself when in the box. 
but you can receive much needed help and support beforehand so that you arrive at court with an understanding of what the court process is all about. It's vital that you understand how you fit into this process and most importantly, how you can protect yourself from verbal onslaughts and at the same time, give a very good account of yourself when being cross-examined. In the family court, the court is, is there to make a decision or decisions about what is in the best interest of the child or children they are concerned with. Your evidence may be pivotal in assisting the judge to arrive at conclusions focused on what's, in, what's likely to lead to the best outcome for the child. So if you have worked with the child and their parents or have undertaken an assessment of the child's various needs, as well as the capacity of the parents to meet those needs, the judge will want to hear from you in the event that there is a disagreement about how the case should be concluded. If the parties are all in agreement, i.e. the mother, father, local authority, the children's guardian and anyone else who has been made a party to the case, then there will be no need for anyone to give evidence. The parties in the case only give evidence when necessary in order to resolve the disagreement or issues of dispute. It is worth bearing in mind that the court, like professionals, is always under great pressure to complete the case and move on to the next one. This is not only because there are a great many cases that come to the attention of the court, but also because the court is well aware that it is in the child's best interest to complete the case as soon as possible in an effort to reduce the harm experienced by both delay and the stress and uncertainty arising from lengthy court proceedings. So during the management of the case, the judge is careful to identify those matters where evidence needs to be heard and only chooses those witnesses whose evidence is crucial to determine the outcome of the case. What you need to appreciate is that the barristers who represent or act on behalf of another party in dispute with you will do all in their power to challenge, devalue, diminish ridicule and rubbish your evidence. If the party is in dispute with you, this is what you can expect, but do not expect every question to be an attack on your evidence, actions or character. That would be too obvious. So a number of the questions directed at you will be questions that are not contentious. It's essential to listen to every question carefully, not just so that you can answer the question adequately, but also because you need to keep your mind alert and active in connection with where the person cross-examining you may be leading you. It is often not easy to do when under pressure, but a part of your mind has to be asking the question, where might he or she be going with these questions? This is necessary to prevent you from falling into any traps that the barrister may set for you. Although you may work for a local authority, it is important to remember that since your name is on the sweat, the social work evidence template, or the assessment report, that your practice, character and reputation are under scrutiny. Being on your own can feel very lonely and burdensome, but it all depends on how you look at the situation. You see, when you accept the situation for what it is, you recognise something that's true for all of us, whether in the witness box or in life generally. Namely, that the responsibility for your success or failure is all yours. Once you fully recognise this, you refrain from trying to blame others, since it's pointless to do so, and you realise something that has the potential to be highly liberating. Knowing that your failure or success is totally down to you 
and not in the hands of anyone else has to be tremendously helpful to anyone whose mindset is one that is focused on success. You see, lots of people, and I've definitely been there too, believe that their success is blocked or in the hands of others. They believe that there is little they can do to change the situation. The problem is that they are in a prison of their own making, and you can't get out of prison if you don't know you're in one. So awareness is key. Recognize that ultimately, the only thing that can stop you from achieving whatever you want to achieve is you, and that there is a benefit to being all alone.